0: Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt.
0: And your co-host, Allie.
1: And we have a return repeat guest on the podcast today, Chris Reese. Welcome, Chris. Hey. Thanks, guys. Hey,
2: how are you? Thanks for having me back.
0: Absolutely.
1: Remind our listeners, Chris, what what do you do here? What's your role (laughs) at Oxford?
2: So I am the clinic manager in Blue Ash and our Oakley Center. I've been with the company for about five and a half years now.
1: Cool. Yeah. And what we're talking about today is kind of some new concepts that you're weaving into your physical therapy treatments. Um, you know, we obviously think about patients going to physical therapy and getting stronger, right? But you've kind of taken a new twist on that. Yeah. Why don't you kind of give us a ten thousand foot view <laughs> of strength training with uh with your patients?
2: Yeah, so I think for a lot of our patients, strength is uh important and something that we're trying to improve, right? We do manual muscle testing, we're testing strength, um, and so we're identifying it as a deficit and we want to try to improve it. And I've recently been doing a lot of reading and, and trying to educate myself both from a personal standpoint and a professional standpoint on the best ways to do that. And I think, I guess what it really has done for me is kind of opened my eyes to some of the shortcomings with our traditional PT approach with what we call strengthening and looking at um, less of isolation type movements and more, Uh, compound or, you know, full body type stuff Um, that incorporates a lot of muscles, a lot of joints, because these are things like they're more similar to how we move in everyday life.
1: So these are bigger functional type movements, right? Yeah. Versus a
2: smaller, what folks might
1: have experienced in therapy before, maybe like a small, simple isometric or using one muscle in a very specific movement you're talking about a bigger movement like maybe a squat or a deadlift, that kind of more traditional
2: strength training thing. Yeah, so these are – yeah, squat and deadlift are at the top of the list as far as two compound movements that are extremely functional. Two movements that we do daily, you know, if you're ambulatory and alive, you're doing these two movements every single day. And so, you know, they're extremely functional from that regard. And and they – I think they're – indicative or maybe representative of general human movement. I mm-hmm. reference athletes a lot of times in the clinic and I say, you know, pitcher goes to throw a ball. He's not thinking about his rotator cuff and his deltoid and his mid trap, upper trap. He just throws the ball Right. and his brain figures out the rest. And so we need to, in my opinion, look at training for strength in that manner With bigger functional compound movements that, again, focus on teaching a movement pattern and then loading a movement pattern um, to strengthen the system as a whole. And, again, knowing that's how it's going to function in our everyday lives, in my opinion, it makes an awful lot more sense rather than, you know, the, the counter to that would be a lot of isolation work. Isolating whatever we think is weak or injured or deficient in some way, isolating that thing, make it work really hard by itself And then kind of put it back in the system with larger compound movements that that we would then do in everyday life. And I think training the compound movements specifically and increasing the load we can tolerate with them, I think, makes an awful lot more sense to me.
0: No one wants just one strong arm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And even bigger than that, so breaking it down in kind of like a real-world recent application. I know you shared a video with Allie, Mm -hmm. and it was someone doing a deadlift, right? Right. So you wouldn't think um, that you would maybe have patients do deadlift with how many, how many pounds is this? Patient she lifted a
2: hundred pounds. This was, she was a 68 year old woman who was, um, you know, in here with some like back hip pain, very uh-huh. common diagnosis, common complaint we get, you know, and she's a runner runner walker. She does the intervals. Um, and you know, I thought certainly strength was an important thing that she needed to improve to resolve these symptoms. And so, I had her squatting and deadlifting, uh, and she, you know, this is, (laughs) she's a fairly thin woman, you know, been a runner her whole life and not really ever done a whole lot of strength training. And she was deadlifting a hundred pounds. I don't know the exact timeline, but I mean, we're talking weeks, you know, this isn't months or years, this is weeks. And she did a hundred. And she's been in here recently doing, I think as much as 112. Wow. So, you know, you think about what that kind of stress does to her body and does to the muscles compared to, a resistance band, or even an isolated exercise that may try to target her hip muscles, one side, you know, the load that her system sees is just nowhere close to 112 pounds. Mm -hmm. And so the, you know, the collective stress and the collective adaptation is just, in my opinion, is so much more beneficial with that kind of a movement. You know, her system sees 112 pounds. And then, you know, those kinds of movements have just, you know, almost limitless potential for improvement because you're using so much of the system, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all the, I mean, I I joke all the time, you know, name a muscle that isn't working with a really heavy deadlift, you know, (laughs) I don't know if I could name one, right. They're all working. And so because all of them are working, you just have, uh, again, near limitless potential for improvement. You can make that lift get better, and stronger now I'd 68 you know that's a little different story but you take maybe an 18 or 20 year old kid he's going to make progress on that lift for decades Mm -hmm. and you know it's not going to be very quick forever but in the beginning he's going to get a lot better and then eventually he's going to kind of you know it's going to be a little slower in terms of his progress but he'll be able to keep making it for a long long time
0: isn't that amazing that yeah. video was so inspiring actually to me because I was like, what am I doing with my life? This woman <laughs> is in here in PT and she's doing that. But if anybody does want to see that video, it is on our Facebook page and our Instagram. Chris said got, you know, approval to share that on our social yep, media. She was, so yeah, willing to share. Everyone can cheer her on there. Of
1: course, she got approval. She lifted <laughs> 112 pounds. I know. She, she wants like, to share that. She's with like, everybody. I'm showing that to yeah. everybody. It my got, goodness.
0: Yeah, I got a lot of praise. So, and, that you was know, awesome.
2: I think what's important to realize about her, like, as a patient and as kind of a case study, I, She's not the uh, the exception, right? She's the norm. Uh-huh. I think that's and I think that's where you know. Far too often, we had a woman in here last night, young, uh, dealing with back pain. She had a, I think a two, two year old son, and she's struggling to bend over and pick him up. And Very common complaint. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. You know, I would
1: say ninety eight percent of our mothers who have back pain yeah, struggle with lifting and carrying exactly, their children.
2: Right, so. You know, I talked to her about, well, we need to make that stronger for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just they're very cautious and almost fearful about doing it because they've had maybe pain in the past or they just have general apprehension about picking up a barbell. You know, that is a scary implement for some Mm -hmm. people. And so I think one of our you know, one of the best things that patients walk away with is less fear towards the most, you know, beneficial and useful tool at their disposal in the gym. And, you know, this woman, I I talk a lot to our patients about, you know, uh, their overall capacity and how close to that capacity are they living and working day to day. And so in this woman's case, right. You know, her capacity may only be a few pounds heavier than her son. Every time she picks her son up, it's a near maximal effort. So Mm -hmm. of course, day after day of that she's destined for pain and injury mm-hmm. sure and so if you can make her capacity higher so now her son is a fraction maybe 50% of her capacity or 20% of her capacity the the risk for injury plummets, and yeah. uh, I, I think that concept is so valuable for so many of our patients. And I, in my opinion, I see movements like squatting and deadlifting with the barbell as the best ways to increase that.
0: Yeah, that sounds like completely opposite of what the, you know me as an untrained mind would say. Like, oh, it hurts picking up something. Let me pick up something heavier.
2: Well, so that's a great point. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't start with a hundred. You know, right. that patient I think started that's a hundred. Yeah, right. so don't
0: just go pick we, up they, any heavy right. item that you we, see.
2: We have the basically the broomstick out there uh-huh. that some patients will start with that. You know, uh-huh. we'll put little two and a half pound plates on that and they'll start with that. You know, okay. so you just introduce them to the movement.
1: And when and- you say, sorry to interrupt, but when you say start with that, I imagine starting with that for you is a tremendous focus on form. Of course, yeah. At that point. Yep. And then symptoms too, because we're not dealing with a healthy population sure. is pain-free sure. and just trying to get stronger. They actually are dealing with injuries, sure. right?
2: Sure. So what does that look like? So I'll say the follow-up to that. Surprisingly, people don't have a lot of pain deadlifting. Even if they mm-hmm. come in with back pain, you kind of will get them warmed up. But we usually start with some stuff on the table. Mm-hmm. Really just, again, as kind of a warm-up to kind of get the muscles going, get the back moving a little bit. And when you deadlift correctly, your back doesn't move. It mm-hmm. just contracts isometrically and holds against that load. And so – it's rare that they'll have trouble. So of course, form and technique are at the top of our list and we're not making increases unless that form is dialed in. If they're having trouble getting it, there's a lot of techniques we have to, you know, zero in on some of the things that maybe a patient's struggling with in terms of technique and positioning. But, you know, we'll make sure that that is exactly where it needs to be before we go up. And, you know, again, yeah, we start with, you know, maybe it's five or 10 pounds and then you just add weight every time you see them Mm -hmm. and it steadily and gradually goes up and you know, it's, it's the, 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 I guess maybe back to your 10,000 foot view, you know uh, the concept that I think has so much value in everything we do is stress recovery adaptation. And that's what we're implementing with everything we do. In my opinion, we're applying some stress because we want the body to adapt in a certain way. And so, you know, the stress has to be meaningful, and it has to be something you can recover, you know, uh, meaningfully from, right. If I start with a hundred pounds, I'm probably going to make her back really, really sore if yeah. not cause another injury yeah. and there's no meaningful recovery there right. and there's sure. no progress. Right. So, you know, looking at that stress recovery adaptation, you know, approach, I'm applying a stress that I know she can recover from. And then the next time I see her, we're just bumping that up and I'm yeah. seeing her maybe a day or two or three later. She's had a chance to recover and she's ready for a new stress.
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, what you highlighted there, that process and that education of helping the individual walk that pathway of what it looks like. Because, you know, when you are dealing with pain and injury, last thing you want to have is um, muscle soreness, recovering and things like that. And it can sometimes be a red flag or someone thinks because, as you alluded to, um, patients already have fear about a movement. So all of a sudden they do a movement and then they get sore. I think it probably takes a lot of education mm-hmm. and a lot of um, proper titration of the force, sure. you know, from you and your team to get them at the right level.
2: Yeah, I think the squat is notorious for uh, making patients sore. Uh-huh. You know, the, the the thighs, the quads, you know, tops of the thighs, they'll come back to me like, oh, that didn't go away for three days. What did you do to me? And You know, and you're absolutely right. It's education. It's, you know, that's an expected response. That is the stress your muscle needs to see to change. And so when you frame it that way, it's a lot easier for them to take. And I I tell patients all the time, right? I expect you to be a little sore. If you're a lot sore, we did something wrong. We need to reevaluate what we're doing. Um, But I think letting them know, hey, this is probably what you're going to feel. And this is totally normal and expected. I think that really takes some of that, you know, that apprehension and anxiety like yeah. oh my god now I'm, I'm even worse what did he make me do
1: yeah well I think what you alluded to with um, you know fear is a really important driver when it comes to injury and re injury mm-hmm. and then returned activity um, there's specific studies and um, measuring tools called fear avoidance beliefs for sure. listeners out there that might be clinicians they probably recognize that but um, with low back pain we find that people that have poor outcomes long term have high, high fear avoidance, meaning they don't want to do things. Not necessarily because it hurts, or not necessarily because they can't. Mm-hmm. It's more just that they're afraid yep. that it's going to hurt. Yep. So, I can see a lot of value in um, taking someone through a functional movement and lowering their fear. Mm-hmm. Like in the example you gave, the patient lifting their child. Gosh, I just as a parent, you know, yeah, I can't imagine. How it would feel to be afraid to lift my child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that would just yeah. be a really sure uh, thing that I would probably struggle with as a parent because that's the number one just awesome thing: to lift your kids up. Mm-hmm. So
2: of course, yeah, and you know I think it's really difficult to quantify breaking through that that fear and kind of breaking through and showing somebody like, you can do this. Look, you just picked up a hundred pounds or, you know, I mean, a hundred is, you know, maybe a lofty goal for some people, but you know, you just picked up 30 pounds. You just picked up 50 pounds. You didn't think you could do this at all. You just lifted 45 pounds. You just lifted the empty bar, you know, and you start to flip those switches like, Oh wow. Hey, you know, I had a, I had a woman uh, earlier this year, She had been to her doctor and, you know, he kind of painted this gloomy picture about her bone density and her back and some of the things that were revealed on MRI. And she came in really kind of dejected like, man, I basically I I can't do a lot of the things I used to do. I can't I can't take care of my grandkids like I want. You know, I can't I can't live my life without this fear that I'm going to break my back. You know, and I told her, I said. You don't have to live that way. You know, we start small, we make you stronger, we gradually subject your back to more stress and it adapts. And she, I mean, I think when she left us, I think she had only done maybe like 50 pounds, but the look on her face when she did it, you know, for her, 50 pounds is like, I mean, that's like a mountain, right? She's like, How did I live 50 pounds? This was a very small framed woman. But, you know, you can't put a value or you really can't quantify how important that is because she left here. And I told her, When you leave here, you got to have a plan. And here's what you're going to do. You got to find a trainer. You got to keep working on this stuff. And if you do this, you can do all the things you want to do. You know, you can take care of your grandkids. You can run. You can, you know, live your life, pick up groceries, carry stuff from the car. You don't have to worry about your back, you know, breaking in two. And, you know, I I think that is such a powerful thing that we can give patients. And I really don't see a way to do it as effectively as teaching them a movement like a deadlift and, and, you know, making them lift weights they never thought they could do.
1: Well, I think it's important to make sure this is a perfect time to mention direct access. (laughs) Because our patients out there sometimes think, oh, well, I'm only going to go get help when I can't get out of bed. My pain is so bad. And I would encourage people, you know, even if you're having mild pain. But if there's those activities that you're fearful about, maybe you had a previous episode of pain, mm-hmm. and you've never gotten back to something, and you've just written that off and said, "Well, I'm never going to do X, Y, and Z, right. whatever that is." And it's something that we're really passionate about, and you want to be able to do. Utilize your direct access right. Mm-hmm. Come in and get an evaluation, and let's see. Truly, you know, maybe there is a, a way to step you up into function and using these functional movements, like Chris said, get you back mm-hmm. to doing those kind of things because. Many, many people, many, many patients have achieved results they never, ever thought Mm -hmm. they would be able to do, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think
0: a bigger part of using your direct access is getting the um, guidance and making sure that they're doing it right so no one listening to this podcast just goes up to the next barbell they see and starts deadlifting. (laughs) Um, or even going to the gym and just doing it themselves without maybe a trainer there to That'd spot like them and make sure that they're doing it. Just right? taking a needle at home and jamming yeah. it in a muscle and going, I'm doing dry I, yeah, needling. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, anybody
2: listening, <laughs> only
1: only in the right trained hands.
0: Yes. So. so, come use your direct access and see what Chris and the team can do for you.
2: Yeah. I think that's an excellent point uh, because, you know, you look at, again, back to stress recovery adaptation. We talk to patients all the time about the middle part, right? Recovery. I mean, that's really when the magic happens. That's when your body is you know, uh, making the necessary changes to adapt to the stress, right? So we talk to patients about sleep and we talk about nutrition and, you know, those are your two big ways that you're going to recover. Yeah. And I think, and I would say I'm very, much, I, I was in this category, you know, of somebody who, if you guys have heard of the term hard gainer, right? You got these guys out there that are guys, gals that are skinny that try to gain weight that struggle to do it and they don't get stronger like they want or like they think they should and you know they're just kind of in this rut and this sort of never-ending cycle of doing all this work at the gym and not really seeing the results they're looking for so you know zeroing in on what that recovery should look like it's just as important as applying the stress through lifting the weights in the gym in the clinic wherever and so we try to make sure that they have a good understanding of what that means and In my opinion, far more often than not, I'm telling people to gain weight. You know, when you think about what you want your body to do, you know, you apply the stress. You have to give it the raw materials to make the changes you want it to make. And if you are hovering around, you know, kind of maintenance calories or even a caloric deficit, your body is not in a state where it can build and grow and add new tissues. You have to eat more than you're burning. And, you know, the patients that struggle and I would say not even patients, just people in the gym that struggle are the ones that are really concerned about not getting fat, not getting too heavy, believing they got to keep, you know, their weight at a certain level and you're just going to handicap your progress. Interesting. Um, You know, I you think about the body from a survival, you know, survival standpoint. If you're hovering around, again, caloric maintenance or caloric deficit, your body is just trying to survive, right? It's just kind of getting through the day, and a lot of the calories you're taking in are being used to fuel you live in your life. It it doesn't have a lot left over to build new tissue, and this is, I think, relevant for healing. You have an injury regardless of trying to get stronger. You've got an injury you're trying to heal. If you're not eating enough, and especially protein, I think you're not going to recover. Your body is just not going to be in a state where it can build and grow and repair, And, you know, you're trying to create an anabolic environment where the body is building and growing. And the only way that happens is with excess calories.
0: All right. Twist my arm. I'll stop at McDonald's.
2: (laughs) Now, again, that's that's the follow up, (laughs) right? Like, I don't want you to eat three tubs of ice cream at night. But, you know, you do have to sacrifice a little quality to get the quantity up. And as long as it's within reason, I think that's perfectly fine. And you realize your diet's not going to be that way forever. I don't want you to eat excess, you know, surplus calories forever. But, you know, while you're trying to heal and you're trying to grow and get stronger, absolutely, you got to take in more than you burn. And there's a lot of studies that have, you know, I've read recently to talk about, you know, the number one factor associated with decreased all-cause mortality is strength. It's not cardiovascular fitness. It's not waist circumference, BMI, you know, it's strength. If you're strong, you're less likely to die from anything. And I think, I think just in general, our society has this infatuation with thinness. Yeah. And, you know, again, within reason, yeah, I don't want you to be significantly overweight. There are problems with that too, we all know, but there's a happy middle ground where, you know, you're not too thin and you're not too heavy. Right. So
0: have you seen Dwayne The Rock Johnson's cheat days? Speaking of eating enough.
2: (laughs) I don't think I have.
0: Oh, gosh. That's something that you need to check out. We'll show you later.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I can speak from experience. Like, you know, I was a runner. I was probably around 160 pounds, you know, for most of my running days, between 155 and 160. Right on your feet. Yeah. Now, even me at that point, running 80, 90, 100 miles a week, my Oof. BMI was on the upper end of normal. I mean, I was like... Half a point away from being considered overweight for my height. No way. It's crazy, oh, right? Oh my God. Now, I mean, now I weigh like 215, mm-hmm. and it was work to get here. Yeah. You know, so I think you just have to kind of put it in perspective. And I tell patients all the time, right? Like, You know, I'll tell somebody, hey, you got to eat more. You need to gain some weight. You're a little, you know, you're thin. I think this would help your healing, your strength. Yeah, whatever. And, oh, I'm trying. I'm eating this. I'm eating that. And I say, you don't have to tell me. Tell the scale. (laughs) If the scale's not going up, you're not eating enough. You need to eat more. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people trying to gain, it's really eye-opening when you see how much that is. (laughs) Now. It's not everybody. Some people are on the other end. They readily gain weight. They're very anabolic and they don't have to worry about the caloric surplus and they need to kind of go the other way. But I feel like lately, and maybe it's just our clinic, we've seen a lot more of the other side where it's too thin and yeah. they need to gain, to, to grow and to heal.
1: That's Well, so I think much these in-depth little nuances are really important, especially, you know, we've t- we're talking about injury, but I think it's especially important when you talk about the folks that seem to be maybe stuck.
2: Exactly. You know, or they have chronic, you know, yep. this is their third, fourth, Absolutely. fifth
1: episode, or they have a, what would appear clinically to be a relatively normal injury and it hasn't followed a normal progression. Sure. And so I think that's what we can offer, you know, at Oxford where we're digging in a little bit more, spending a little bit more time with patients and have, um, you know, maybe some of this depth of background sure. when it comes to applying physical therapy for the individual that maybe hasn't gotten better with traditional care mm-hmm or has faced several episodes. So I think that could be a big clue.
2: Yeah, I talk all the time about, you know, the interventions and treatments that address the symptom, the pain. And we're, we have a lot of those, and we use those, you know, readily, and so do a lot of other clinicians. Uh, the problem is if you don't follow up with something that will that will, you know, fix the root cause, the underlying problem for why these are recurring episodes – you're just going to you know keep riding the wheel and keep, you know, sure. stay in that cycle. So, you know, we certainly try to get people out of pain, and then we provide a path for here's how you don't come back with this same problem again. You know, uh, it's certainly not – I never guarantee that patients will never have back pain if they deadlift some arbitrary number like 100 pounds. But the stronger your back is, the less vulnerable it is to injury. You know, the the, the smaller everyday tasks become – and again, the risk for injury just, just drops. Yeah.
1: For sure. I mean, obviously, plenty of strong people get hurt. Otherwise, yeah. the NFL wouldn't have injuries. Sure, but, sure. you know, it's a matter of how do you work yourself out of that injury. Right. And, you know, obviously, I think what you shared with us today of, you know, strength and nutrition have definite roles in working out of injury for sure. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Got to be an all-around great person with all this knowledge.
1: <laughs> That's right.
2: Well, Chris, thanks a lot for sharing. Yeah, the yeah I feel like we yeah, our could our talk for like
0: four more hours, I but I think you, we're going to cut just you get get me off me here.
2: Started. I could yeah, I'll be here for another three hours easy.
0: I'm sure all the feedback from this um, episode is just going to keep us coming back to you. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: thanks for tuning well, in, everybody. Yes. Appreciate it. Thanks, we'll talk guys. to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com and you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a B visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!